to the Construction Big Breakfast, where we give you a hearty serving of insider tips and business strategies to help fuel your day so you can thrive in the construction industry. Now, here's... Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to the latest episode of the Construction Big Breakfast. I'm your host, Tip Top Tim Fitch, and today we're diving into a whole list of topics to do with the CITB, which is, uh, for those that aren't... Uh, UK-based is the Construction Industry Training Board. Joining me today for the podcast is our special guest, Sarah Beale. Welcome to the podcast, Sarah. Thank you. And can you give us, give our listeners a little intro to yourself? Just tell us who you do, exactly what you do for the CITB. Yeah, sure. Um, as you said, Sarah Beale, I'm the uh, Chief Executive for the CITB. Been with uh, CITB for oh just over sixteen years now in various roles. This one four and a half years. Brilliant, and Sarah, it's uh, it's great to have you on the podcast today. Uh, and of course, anyone who's looked at any of our podcasts will know there's one question that uh, you can be absolutely certain you're going to get. So, Sarah, what did you have for breakfast today? Uh, this morning, I have to sadly say no breakfast other than several cups of coffee very early to get into my first trip back to London. Well, Sarah, you know, a bit naughty not to have had anything, but uh, today, uh, for our listeners, this is the first podcast we filmed in our office since February last year, so February 2020. And as I was walking to the office today, uh, we're near Russell Square, there's a, one of those little taxi huts food huts, green ones, they're, they're dotted around London. And this one had been shut ever since lockdown. The little old lady runs it. And today as I was walking past at 10 to 8, uh, I could smell bacon, although it was all locked up. So I banged on the window. And she had going, sorry love, we don't own until 8 o'clock. It was like 10 to. I said, I only wanted a bacon roll. And she's clearly cooking bacon, I could smell it. She said, I'll, I'll, I'll do it, I'll do it. So she gives me this one. And of course, she's cash only, you know, I had a £10 note. <laughs> so uh, the bacon roll cost me £5, but it was, I thought, that demonstrate the epidemic, not the pandemic, the epidemic <laughs> is over. <laughs> anyway, that's enough about breakfast. So Sarah, CITB, mm-hmm. lots going on. Lots going on. Uh, we're filming on the 10th of June. I know we'll probably show it next month, but you had a, a report come out yesterday around the there's a there's a there's a, going to be a massive requirement for additional skilled people in the industry over the next three or four years. I think it was about 217 or 218,000. What's going on? What are we going to do about that? Absolutely, yeah. It's the Construction Skills Network report, if anybody wants to go and read it, um, uh, because that does give a really good breakdown about where the skills are required, both geographically and occupationally. So it'll give a really good insight to those people that are needing it to plan. But yeah, you're quite right, 217,000 new workers by 2025, uh, which is a much steeper um, hill than we thought it was going to show us, uh, given the pandemic. Um, and there's various factors to that um, in terms of uh, we are building construction, you know, what we're anticipating by 2022, it will be back to 2019. We're already seeing um, growth, particularly in certain sectors and a huge, I think, investment and support level from government um, for the construction industry uh, to build back better. Um, and, and of course, that converts into people. 
um, and skills requirements. So it's basically good news, isn't it? Albeit there's a skills gap that needs to be closed. Good news for the economy, good news for our industry, but yeah, huge challenge of how we attract another 217,000 people in the skills we need while keeping the talent we've got and reskilling and upskilling even the people that are already here for net zero, more modern methods of construction and everything else that's changing at the minute. And of course, there's a lot changing, isn't there? Because we've had the pandemic, but that was a, a curveball on top of a curveball, which was Brexit. And the construct- well, certainly in London, the London region where we're filming this today, there was a huge um, reliance on energetic people from Eastern Europe. There seems to be less of them about now. What do you think is the, the solution to that problem? Well, you're quite right. So right before the pandemic, we were already discussing the impact um, of skill shortages um, as a result of Brexit, with certain occupations, particularly in construction, not making um, the list, as it were, um, for security. And you're quite right. Again, in London, there was up to 40-45% reliance in certain sites uh, for migrant labour. Uh, we'd already started putting together a plan, and when I say we, the industry, yes. um, in making sure that short-term and long-term we're starting to plan to grow our own. There is still a need for access to that labour while we do that, um, as much as employers really value and invest in apprenticeships, they don't come out of the sausage machine quick enough, and um, so we will have to have a reliance um, on other labour sources for while we do that but there is now a concentrated effort in embedding the skills uh, in the workforce and attracting a lot more people to the construction industry um, so that we, we, we meet that need. Because there's, there's a dilemma in the short term, isn't there? Because I, I, yeah, as you walk into our office, you'll see we're fairly diverse and we recruited a lot of our people uh, from outside of the EU under the old rules. Uh, so we've got the sponsorship license from the Home Office. And what we've seen is that the, the, the rules around employing non-UK people have been liberalised very significantly uh, in response to Brexit. So I don't think it would be difficult, it would be just a different mix of people who come in. It, that's, that's it may I, well be, yeah. yeah. And in terms of, I think it's the specific skills, occupational areas, um, so it might be a different mix. We might be more attractive or less attractive to, to, to different nationalities, etc., for different reasons. But there are some occupations, as the Construction Skills Network uh, research report showed, that are in much greater demand than others. Um, and particularly, you know, leadership and management, for example, is not an area where we've um, we've we've met by migrant labour in the past. But it's still an area that requires a lot more investment and a lot more development. And that's one of our top ten, as it were, occupational areas going forward to really invest in. That's interesting because uh, doing a bit of boning up for this uh, podcast, yeah, my experience of CITV, because uh, I used to actually do construction work before I started doing this kind of thing, uh, I remember going to Birch Newton 25 years ago and doing a, a really practical course on um, 
temporary work, supervision and that kind of thing, which was really great at the time. But it's much more than the practical skills now. They're still important, but you do a lot of stuff online, you're doing the leadership stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's always um, a balancing act for us. So the traditional technical hands-on skills are going to be needed, certainly for my lifetime, and we need highly skilled people in those as well. I think sometimes they're looked upon as less skilled than others. In fact, actually not. It's just a different skill. We're actually looking at more and more now, however, transferable skills. Um, Construction, like any other industry, is going to need to be digitalised. We need digital skills, therefore. We've always needed, but ever more so, good leadership and good management. And I think a more modern approach nowadays to leadership and management includes diversity, developing people, and knowledge about mental health and how you can look after your workforce in that sense as well as skill them. And that's all evolving. Um, And the pandemic for us really showed us a different way perhaps of getting learning and training out there and so through the pandemic we made available an e-learning course based on these site operating practices to make sure that sites could operate and they did so very successfully and very safely. That was accessed 36,000 times uh, by companies to make sure their workforce uh, was safe. What that showed us is actually is face-to-face training for bite-sized elements training always needed and the answers no Uh, we actually even made some of our health and safety training online digitally and research has actually shown uh, that uh, post learning retention is often higher through that level through that medium of training rather than face-to-face which I have to say was, was, was a bit of a surprise to me I think from what we've seen, because we've got close ties with UCL, which is obviously geographically close to us, but uh, many of us were from there or still lecture there. Uh, there's been a revolution in the way that teaching has, has been done during, during the last year. And Absolutely. It, you know, I don't think there'll be many live lectures going forward because people like to watch them when they want to watch them. So if you record the thing... Uh, absolutely for us it's, it's definitely going to be a blend um, there are some things for which um, practical hands-on training um, is very difficult to be replaced and yeah. so you know I'd like to know that somebody before they were operating a tower crane um, had, had, had been on that tower crane they were very used to it and also environmental um, training and um, where we run construction um, hubs where people can go and get experience and the learning from that is actually more environmental, site-based experience. Over the last couple of years, we've put 22,000 people through that who are site-ready, ready now to go on and get another job in construction. And we'll put another 17,000 through in the lifetime of our plan. That's experience that can't be, be replaced. But um, e-learning for other continuous personal development um, and health and safety compliance testing, that, that's all achievable through a, a more efficient method, I think. Yeah, because I'm just, I'm really agreeing with you. Uh, we can see that in all sorts of parts of life, even our own training that we do here, you know, lots of that's now online. Uh, it's one of those peculiar benefits of the lockdown, isn't it? It's, we've had to innovate in all sorts of ways. Uh, yeah, and we, um, and we all, I think, innovated really quickly. Um, construction I don't I haven't felt in my 16 years 
the magnitude of change that I think will be permanent that I felt last year in terms of the industry coming together um, and being really unified. Um, construction leadership council is a great example of that. Um, but also in terms, as you say, of our innovation and different ways of doing things, which will hopefully be equally applied to more modern construction as we go into a need for net zero and retrofitting, uh, etc. Yeah, it could be. It's been a real catalyst of change. It has been a catalyst of change. And you're, you're right, that may carry on into the things that are already on the agenda before COVID came along. So th- in terms of how... Uh, the CITB's um, developing is obviously a massive acceleration caused by COVID in terms of doing the stuff remotely or online. Mm-hmm. How, how are other things developing in terms of uh, the more practical skills stuff? Is that what's the development going on there? So in terms of CITB ourselves, um, we embarked on a change programme towards the end of 2017 that we called Vision 2020, um, and that was in direct response to the industry saying uh, three years ago, four years ago, we want you, but we want you to change. Uh, We want you to be slicker, more agile, more focused, and we embarked on a huge, huge change programme. Um, that was very successful in terms of the efficiencies we've, we, we, we made, the model that we operate in. We promised the industry we'd be far more representative of the industry that we're here to serve. And you can see that in our governance, uh, we've got good representation on our board and in three nations councils now that are made up of our levy peers that can oversee what we do. They directly feed into our boards. So they really set our direction. And we stopped doing as much stuff, quite frankly. Um, People could never tell us the raft of things that we did. And we were spreading our jam so thinly that it wasn't making a big enough impact on skills. So we really started concentrating on three core areas um, of, of careers, getting people in making it easy for them to get a job and then keeping them. Yes. Uh, the middle one, which is our biggest one, obviously, which is training and development, making sure that the training infrastructure is good, accessible, when and where employers need it, um, and driving up levels of competence through our third priority, which is standards and qualifications. So making sure people have clear routes uh, into the industry and that the education and training is valued really employer-led and I think what our employers told us they wanted higher practical skills they wanted people who arrive and can add value immediately and I think it's safe to say that through the traineeships which we're developing and the accelerated apprenticeships that's exactly what employers are going to get. That sounds great the other thing I've noticed that must go along with that is you've got this sort of online registers and qualification uh, checking processes and that type of thing. Yep, as part of Vision 2020, we launched what we call the training model, uh, which is made up largely of two systems. One, it's a training directory. Uh, we've got about, uh, at any one time, 1,900 accredited training providers registered on there. And they upload somewhere in the region of about 1,300 courses every single week. We accredit that training to make sure it's the right standard and we assess those training providers to make sure that they're giving quality training. 
um, they then actually upload what we call a training register. Uh, so we've got probably about 4 million people whose records are being updated all the time. Any one month, we update that register with 30,000 training records. Wow. And we use that register to support the uh, approved card schemes. Uh, that feeds all of the accredited card schemes. Um, but we can verify that person. So you can go online tomorrow. We can see a picture of Tim. Uh, we can see all of your training record um, that you've had in the last few years. Well, wow, that's amazing. So it's a bit like the farm to fork type approach in food you, you know exactly where the training was who did it absolutely the fact that you've accredited it and it's yeah. all linked to somebody's biometrics i guess um at the moment it's yet photograph um so the entry point um for our collection is the health and safety test um, which we still run um, and the health and safety test is still taken by circa half a million people every year that's your entry route and once you've got that and you've got your photograph so we know who you were because that's who walked into the to the centre to take their training and um, from then on you've got a training record and everything that's done through an accredited training organisation can be uploaded on there. As we move forward we're looking to develop that system with employers and other awarding organisations to actually be able to upload other training pieces that are not accredited by us but are really important to the um, employers that have given the training. That's, I mean, it just sounds like such a massive step forward from even a few years ago. It's huge, and it is the envy, as I hear, from other sectors of many sectors. It works. It's almost in real time. Uh, we've got a fantastic record base. The next stage of that, now it's up and it's running, and I should say it also triggers automated grant payments from us. So when a, an amount of short-duration training is recorded... There is no need now for many, many uh, courses for an employer to make a claim for us. The claim can be sent out because we've been told about the training. And that's what we've put in place in the last the, few years. The friction and all, the, all of that lag is just gone now. For certain bits, we need to get better at the others. So I'm yeah. not saying it's 100%. Um, and I am really uh, excited at the next stage of it because actually now the mechanics are working um, and that's all as it should be. It's what we should use that system and that data to drive. Uh, so actually, you know, we can now start looking at where training is happening, where it isn't, where we should pr be promoting it and really maximise um, what is a huge amount of really valuable data. Yes, yeah, so that's, I mean, we, we look at, we're looking at data on all sorts of levels in the industry and of course there's, there's oceans of it, it's trying to see the value in it sometimes and of course it that's is. where needs a bit of this and time to work out what the what the, you've got the days and where, where's how do we extract the value from it exactly and that's our next stage to make sure literally we drive the right initiatives and we push the right things at the right time and we wanted to get it working properly before we moved on to that stage and um, but the team at CITB have done an absolutely amazing job at getting that up and running well, it sounds like a great success but at least you start on the road with a bigger success down the line so there's a great strategy there great strategic thing that's all super encouraging um i suppose in a sense that's that's part of your tech strategy are, are there any other aspects that we haven't talked about you've got the online training you've got the record keeping the um only in the sense of how the training is is delivered 
Um, so I think over the next few years, we're all going to see real development in not just the removal of face-to-face uh, versus digital, but actually uh, simulated training, uh, virtual headsets being used to actually put people in an environment where they otherwise wouldn't be able to go. More and more use of more technology. One, because it provides real good quality training that people enjoy. Um, and when you enjoy it, you tend to learn more from it. Yes. But also, uh, the secondary, um, but just as important benefit is it will start to paint our industry in a different picture. So people being recruited and coming into the industry will start seeing forward thinking um, and agile, forward looking industry, rather than perhaps an image that some people, fairly or unfairly, um, uh, over time have had, is that it's slow to change, um, it doesn't adapt to what's needed. So I think that's the massive benefit as well. And going full circle, when we have to recruit 217,000 people, we need to show the industry in its best light as something that is going to be exciting to work in, continuously developing. Does, does CITB, how, how does it get involved in promoting the industry to new entrants? Other, obviously, you're providing wonderful training opportunities, but what's the outreach like? So, as I said, one of our three key pillars is careers. Um, and over the years, we've done different initiatives in careers and taken different roles. I'm a firm believer in that the only person that can make somebody's employment successful is the employer. Um, and actually, it's what's on offer through that employer. And we've got fantastic employers who behaved brilliantly through the pandemic supporting apprentices in particular, um, which I might come back to. But the careers network, we've actually established um, a whole system now that supports the industry. So instead of doing our own thing, we have, um, we've come together with the STEM ambassadors that go into schools. They have a reach into every single school. We've actually linked up our ambassadors, so we now have Go Construct ambassadors. And we're gonna have several thousand of them up, running and active that can, wow. schools can book directly. So one of the problems schools had told us is who the heck do we go to in construction? There's millions of you, you were all running your own scheme. We've asked the whole industry to get behind the one, which means every school can say, I want somebody from construction. They can, they can pop in and show a real consistent presentation of the industry. We should have access of up to 7,000 ambassadors um, when, when that process is, is fully onboarded over the next couple of years. That's how we change school kids and their influences and ideas of construction. And then we point them to the website Go Construct. And on Go Construct, we feature details of nearly 200 occupations in construction. And it tells you what skills you have to have, where it might lead you in your career, and how you can get in. And there's a little fun online quiz you can do to see sort of what personality type you are, and therefore it'll link you to different different categories of, of construction employment. And from Go Construct, that will say, do you want training? If you do, points you to our training register that we've already covered. If you don't know whether you want construction, it's going to start pointing you to a new system that's going to be launched uh, this month uh, called Talent View where there will be work experiences, work tasters and apprenticeships all offered really openly. So the whole diversity challenge we're going to start tackling. And if you want a job, it will point you, amongst other things, to the talent retention scheme. And that was newly launched in the pandemic. 
Uh, we've got 1,800 jobs on there currently. We've got up to 2,000 people registered looking for jobs. It only started last month. And we've had in excess of 20,000 vacancies already put through that system. So now we've got a full system of inspiring people, informing them and getting them into the industry as quickly as we can. Amazing. Now, in, I'm really interested about that because um, the STEM ambassadors going to schools, that I'm guessing means the schools need to be, are responsive or come looking for people to talk about construction? Yep, absolutely. Um, and it can cover a whole range, um, but schools do, do look uh, for construction, absolutely. But their problem was, where do we go when you've got 14 different schemes? If we can all get behind the one, skills will come. And it means that if all the ambassadors sign up to be a Gold Construct ambassador, CITB can furnish them with all the material and up-to-date information for the young people. Well, so that's very, very encouraging. Brilliant. It's a really um, yeah. brilliant initiative. And I suppose the, the, I mean, the last bit I really wanted to cover uh, was we're filming in June. You're about to start. Is it your consensus process? That's which correct, is, yeah. Just tell us a little bit about that. So every three years, uh, we go out to the industry um, and ask anybody that's likely uh, to be uh, a levy payer, we ask them whether the levy proposals are sufficient uh, to promote adequate training in the industry. We have to secure um, a majority, both in terms of value of companies and volume of companies in order for us to secure the next three-year levy order. Um, in our 50 plus history, we've never not secured consensus. And I would very, very much hope uh, that with all of the skills challenges, but equally everything we're doing to address them, that'll be the case again this time. My guess is a shoo-in. Uh, <laughs> everything you're doing is uh, extremely positive. Uh, finally, I have to ask this question. Uh, it's, it's well publicised in news, you're moving on. Is there a little update on that? What's happening? Um, well, yeah, as you say, I'll be moving on after what will be, by the time I leave, 17 years. Um, I agreed with my board that I would stay till the very end of consensus to make sure that we've delivered our plan and we've secured that next three-year order. Um, my replacement is being recruited as we speak, so I'm sorry I can't tell you who that is, um, but hopefully in, in a few weeks, if not months, but definitely before I leave, uh, the board are confident of announcing a replacement for me. Well, that's terrific. And uh, on that note, let's wrap up this conversation. That was an insightful, and thank you for joining me today, uh, Sarah. Really, really great. Um, and where can listeners get in touch if they need to find out more? What's the best website? Uh, CITB.co.uk. And if you want to go to the Construction Talent Retention Scheme, you can see all the jobs that are on offer um, currently as well. Well, we'll put all of that in the show notes so uh, people will be able to uh, get the extra info as and when. Wonderful. And to all of our listeners today, thank you for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed this uh, episode of the Construction Big Breakfast. We have a new episode roughly every two weeks, so click that subscribe button and turn your notifications on so you don't miss an episode. While you're at it, we'd appreciate a five-star review. And if you've enjoyed this episode today, please like it and share it with your friends, as it does help us get more listeners. 
If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast or looking to collaborate in other ways, visit our website, www.invent.com. Remember, there's two ends at the end. The link's in the description. And fill out the contact form so one of my team uh, can be in touch. See you next time. Bye. Want to learn more about how Invent can help your business maximize its bottom line? Head on over to www.invent.com and get in touch with our team today. Thanks for joining us this week on the Construction Big Breakfast. Make sure to visit our website, www.invent.com, where you can subscribe to the Construction Big Breakfast on all platforms so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a positive rating. Or if you'd simply share it with a friend, that would help us out too. Be sure to tune in for our next episode.